Don't leave your broken heart at the door. Bring Bring it to the altar of life. Don't leave your anger behind. It has high standards and the world needs your vision. Bring them with you and your joy and your passion. Bring your loving and your courage and your conviction. Bring your need for healing and your powers to heal. There is work to do and all that we need to do it is here. So let us come in and then reach beyond the walls of this church. Let us fill this sanctuary with love and then harness its power to stop oppression. Let us join together in worship and together let us stand on the side of love. So good morning everybody and welcome to Essex Church and to this our gathered community of the spirit, Kensington Unitarians. As the storm named Angus passes across our land and as turbulent times continue around our planet, it's good to gather with one another and to take time to settle and think and listen and breathe. Let's do that now. Allowing ourselves to arrive here fully, to be here in this moment. Knowing that there is a place here for all people of goodwill, whoever we are, wherever we're going, however we identify ourselves and whatever past we have come from, this is the moment we share. Today's service was to have been about the art of conversation, but plans change and Roy and I will be exploring that topic next year. So for today, I thought it might be valuable to return to a topic that calls out, I think, for exploration by all Unitarians, and indeed by all people of faith from time to time, what we mean by God. Our chalice is lit, one small simple flame reminding us that there is a oneness that includes us all, one light, one life, one love. It connects us with progressive religious communities the world over and it shines a beacon of acceptance and inclusion. Now all today's hymns are theology essays in disguise. The first hymn that we're going to sing, if you can find it, I haven't got my hymn book, Brian, but... (laughs) (laughs) And I'll tell you a little bit about the people who wrote uh, the words to some of our hymns today. Hymn number 90 uh, is uh, called Let Us Give Thanks and Praise, And it was written by Peter Sampson, a long-serving Unitarian layperson from the Northwest. It's a hymn of praise and gratitude. It explores the possibility of a better world that we together might create. Let's sing together hymn 90.
our uh, candles today, part of our ritual of candles of joy and concern, a time in which we invite you, if you wish, to come up, to light a candle, and to tell us briefly who or what you light your candle for. These candles today are many coloured in recognition of the great diversity of human life and experience. And I'm going to, I'm going to light our first candle in recognition of the Transgender Day of Remembrance, in which we remember those who identify as tri transgender, who have died through violence and prejudice shown to them. And I want to bring into your thoughts a teacher called Lucy, who ended her life in 2013 here in the UK after returning to work following a gender reassignment and receiving much adverse press coverage. The coroner closed that inquest by addressing reporters directly and saying, and to you, the press, I say, shame, shame on all of you. May we ourselves avoid judging people and situations we don't really understand. There's um, a certain theme to today's um, service, as I mentioned, and this story, which is the story of God in each of us, you might see as, as that theme. This story is a version of, of something that was written or spoken of in the Upanishads as part of um, uh, Hindu teachings. Um, it's very ancient and yet strangely modern too. It's the story of a boy called Svetataku who went away to school to learn all that there was about God. And once he came home, his father could see that although he had learned many, many things, there were still some matters he did not fully understand. And so Svetataku asked his father to teach him more about God. And so his father said, go bring me a fig from the fig tree outside. And Svetataku ran to pluck a fig. I wish I'd brought one with me today because if you've not seen a fig recently, you perhaps won't have realised just how many hundreds and hundreds of seeds there are in the middle of a fig. And his father said, cut it in two. And he did, cut it in two. And he asked what was in the fig, and the boy said, there are many seeds, father, many seeds. That's right, Svetataku, cut one of the seeds in half. And he did. And his father asked him, now, what can you see? And he had to be honest, nothing at all. Ah, well, my son, I want you to know that even though you can't see it, there is an unseen power in that seed. This power can grow from a seed into a great tree like that one over there. And the unseen power that is in the seed is the same power that is in the whole world. That power is God. That power is spirit and God's spirit power is in you too. And when Svetataku heard his father's words, he felt both very small and very big to think that such a wonderful power could be in him. And he went on to learn a great deal more about the spirit power of God. And of course the teaching is that, that 
There is much in our world and in our experience that we don't get to perceive with our ordinary eyes, but only with what's sometimes described as an inner eye, an inner knowing. It is there in mysteries such as growing and living. And it's in every one of us here this morning and everyone in this city and everyone in our world, that spirit power that some call God. And that's the story of God in each of us. And I think our children's group are going to leave for their own programme now. As we move into a time of prayer and reflection together. As I call on the spirit of life and love. Shining from within each of us. That it might be here with us now, illuminating this, our time of worship. And may insight and clarity shine through us, brightening our spirits and all those around us. We pray that we may not feel sure who or what we are praying to. Some speak of God or the great mystery of Lord or Goddess or the Divine. Some of us cannot put a name to something that is so vast and unknowable. Let us not be put off by this inability to name the nameless. Let us be able, in quiet moments such as this, to allow ourselves time for reflection, to allow ourselves chance, chance to relate with something greater than ourselves. To connect with something that encourages us to be the best that we can possibly be and to make the best of this life that we have been given. In quiet moments like this, we can be honest about our own confusions and uncertainties, those frightened, wounded places within us. In stillness, we might think of ourselves with love. In quiet moments such as this, we can remember those who are, we are finding hard to understand, those who confuse or irritate us, those who are so very different from us. Let us think of them with love and commit ourselves to creating a world where people can be who they truly are. And in quiet moments such as this, we can send our loving thoughts and prayers to people and places in need the world over.
And so may the divine light that shines throughout the universe shine now on all those in need. And may each of us find a way to bring greater understanding to our little part of the world, this day and all days. Amen. There was a, a time in my life when um, I could not have chosen the hymn that we're going to sing now. It's on your hymn sheet. Um, because words like God and King gave me the complete heebie-jeebies and I avoided them at all costs. But George Herbert, a lovely man, a poet, an Anglican priest, he wrote this in the early 1600s and actually when you tease out some of this theology it's incredibly modern. Teach me my God and King in all things thee to see and what I do in anything to do it as for thee. Let's sing together. There's an Oxford philosophy professor who says he's determined by sheer logic and mathematics that God probably exists. While Richard Swinburne says he's not 100% sure about this, he claims to have demonstrated through probability theory and complex mathematical formulas that God's existence is more likely to be true than not. The God he's trying to prove is a familiar one and in some respects reassuring. This God is a person and he loves beauty, goodness, freedom, order, morality and human beings. Haven't we always hoped that God would turn out to be the good side of one of us, only more powerful? It seems bold of me to say this about the professor at Oxford, but I'm willing to state with confidence that Dr Swinburne's calculations are pure hokum, complete 
balderdash. He thinks God is a problem to be solved. He doesn't get it that God is a mystery and is always and forever beyond every mortal attempt to figure God out and settle God once and for all. God cannot be proven nor disproved. If you can prove it, then it's not God. It's something less than God. Live in the world. Experience its joys and its pain. Try to find the path that is right for you. Listen carefully to the voices around you, the voices within you, and the voices from the past. You may come to know that there is a mystery emanating the creation and you. A creating, sustaining, transforming mystery. Or you may not. If you do, you may choose to give it a name. You may call it God. Or you may not. But don't waste any of your precious time trying to prove it.
the, um, the next hymn we're going to sing, it's number 22. I'm going to suggest we remain seated as we sing it. I'm not sure it's a tune that all of us know very well. It, the words for this are written by Andrew Hill, who had a very long and happy ministry as the minister of Kensington, uh, not Kensington, uh, Edinburgh Unitarians. He's, um, he himself could um, speak really deeply about theology, and I'm in, intrigued by the very human language that he's using to describe God here. See what you think as we sing, Come Strong God and Walk Beside Us. Thank you. 
I, um, I don't know how many of us have visited the chapel of our Unitarian congregation in Oxford. A long time ago, only a few of us. Well, it's an impressively grand, late Victorian building with the most beautiful stained glass windows, all designed by Burne Jones and the William Morris Company. We could arrange to go and visit one day, a little, a little outing. The windows that always catch my eye when I go there show the six days of creation with the earth cradled in the arms of pre-Raphaelite angels. And on one of those windows is inscribed the motto, which is the title for this address, Élargissez Dieu, which you may sometimes find badly translated as magnify the Lord, but is far better translated as broaden your ideas of God. These are the words of Diderot, French 18th century philosopher and playwright. Um, your order of service today has got various photos of these windows, so you can all swap and compare if you like, and you can also find better photos of them online. Diderot, you probably know, he was a key figure of the Enlightenment. He was brave in his explorations about faith. He spent time in prison for his, uh, his ideas. He had a healthy disrespect for authority, which I think some of you would truly respect. One of his famous quotes, man will never be free until the last king is strangled with the entrails of the last priest. <laughs> a clear expression, I think, of the frustration many of his time felt at the political entanglement between church and state, a connection of power which, of course, we still experience to this day in Britain. Diderot's own faith position could be described as atheist, meaning not theist in his beliefs. He did not believe in a supernatural God, a being, a separate entity, who could and would intervene in human affairs. And of course, this is a view held by many um, today, including by some Unitarian ministers, and I'm sure ministers in, in other faiths as well. Um, it was one such minister back in 1990 who helped me start my own journey towards uh, ministry. Trevor Jones, who one or two people know, knew, was leading a course called Building Your Own Theology. And when we reached this section on definitions of God, Trevor said that he didn't believe in God. Well, that was such a refreshing moment for me to realise that there was a religious community called Unitarians whose ministers didn't have to believe in God. I was intrigued. Now, Trevor then went on to say the line that Unitarians sometimes laugh about, but of course it all demean, mean, depends what you mean by God. And what Trevor explained that day is pretty much my own faith position today. He, like Diderot, did not believe in a being, a separate entity with a name and an identity, looking down on the earth as his creation. There are plenty of Unitarians who hold theist views, and that's absolutely fine. We are a non-creedal community. We do not have to hold the same theology as one another in order to belong here. We do have to respect one another's faith 
and we're committed, I think, to an exploration of our varied faiths and committed to supporting one another in putting that faith into action in meaningful ways. My uh, ministerial colleague from Cambridge, Andrew Brown, who I think has a brain the size of a planet, writes incredibly well, I think, about these issues. And I'm just going to read a short piece of his about the difference between a being and being. He writes, the whole religious landscape changed whenever one stopped thinking about God as a being and started to think of God as being. To be a conventional theist is to believe there exists a supernatural being who is God. To be a conventional atheist is to believe that such a being does not exist. But if God is thought of as being, this is still not to believe in a being called God. So you are still, conventionally speaking, an atheist. But it is to understand God as the mysterious no thing, which gifts every actual thing with existence and life. Such a move, Andrew Brown writes, allows the mystery of why there is something, not nothing, to be given a name, either being and or God, and for it to remain creatively at play in our everyday language. I sometimes envy the sure faith of those who experience God as a being, a being able and willing to assist them. And so I asked our choir to just sing the first two verses of Eternal Father, Strong to Save. And particularly on a st stormy day like this, it seems appropriate to think of a God that might be able to help those storms. Just in those two verses, there are enough theological issues to keep us thinking for quite a while. The idea of a God powerful enough to save us from the storms, yet often not intervening to save the most vulnerable and needy. The male gender that is so often in our Western world assigned to God. And the Christian message of Jesus, of God in the human form of Jesus coming to earth 
to share human suffering. I have to broaden my ideas about God in order to make any sense of all of this. And because language is so limited in its ability to describe the indescribable, it's no wonder many of us avoid the topic most of the time. Oh, but it's a fascinating topic to explore. And it's an important one for us to become more literate with in our world, as we seem to lurch towards more extreme right-wing views. If I use the term God, I mean containing all that exists, nothing left out. You'll find um, a post-it slip um, attached to the uh, hymn sheet, and I do invite you, if you wish, to jot down what God means for you today and to uh, add it to the, uh, the ones already stuck on the cupboard at the back of the room for all of us to read. But any description, any definition in this community anyway, is provisional. It's for now. It's what has meaning for you today. There was a time, as I said earlier, when gendered descriptions of God as Lord, King, Father enraged me. Now, do you know, at times I find them quite comforting metaphors, religious symbols, not realities. So if I use the term God, I mean containing all that exists, nothing left out. That holds an imperative for us to be, I think, who we truly are, unique expressions of the divine. There's also an imperative to accept that which is other, even that which we dislike or fear. We're all in this together. The God that we may pray to is then within us all, and we are the co-creators of all that is both in our thinking and in the work of our hands. In the um, same stained glass window in Oxford, there is another motto which a few of you have got on your orders of service sheet photo on the front. Thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. In a world where everyone really is our neighbour, that is an injunction worthy of serious thought. And it's the work of a lifetime, truly, to learn how to love all our neighbours, even when their behaviours and their beliefs may be very alien to us. One of our aims for the year ahead here with Kensington Unitarians is to deepen our understanding of and our use of religious language. My hope is that such an exploration will help us find ways to live in stormy times, Times that clearly need to hear a message, a message of inclusivity and love. Amen. Let's sing our closing song today, which goes at a, a nice pace. The Spirit Lives to Set Us Free. It's hymn number 165.
And so, may the blessing of God go before you. May her grace and peace abound. May her spirit live within you. May her love wrap you round. May her blessing remain with you always. May you walk on holy ground. Amen. Amen. Go well and blessed be.